Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast, a weekly show featuring B2B sales leaders and executives. Hosted by five-time CRO John McMahon and force management co-founder John Kaplan, the show goes behind the scenes with the people who have been there, done that, and seen the results. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Builders is brought to you by Force Management. We help companies improve sales performance, executing the growth strategy at the point of sale. Find us at forcemanagement.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast. I'm John Kaplan, here with my good friend, five-time CRO, and the author of the best-selling book, The Qualified Sales Leader, John McMahon. Johnny, how are you? Doing great today, Cap, and I'm excited to speak to our guest today. Yeah, me too, buddy. Super I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited to introduce you and uh, our audience to um, just a, a wonderful human being. Uh, Marcy Stout, is uh, she's an incredible business leader. In fact, one of the best leaders I've ever met. Um, she's passionate about developing leaders, bringing teams together and creating a work environment where people thrive for the past 30 years. Marcy has worked with hundreds of women and executives and has coached, taught and inspired results through confidence and balance based on the knowledge that there is no better time than now for women to be successful as executives and mothers. Marcy and her sister launched their company, Revel Coach, to lead programs that are dedicated to women in leadership. Um, she spent 22 years in corporate America, where I, where I first met her, in various roles from VP of strategy to VP of sales and marketing. Uh, that experience influenced her passion for working with people, creating opportunities for others, and hiring talent based upon character and potential. Johnny, please say hello to Marcy Stout. Hey, Marcy. Really glad to have you today. It's yeah, a great, it's great subject. Great to be here. And um, John Kaplan, I always love talking to you. always love our conversations through the years. And then John um, McMahon, it's so nice to meet you. Good to meet you. So you were in sales and marketing. Yes. Yeah. So I had my, my first go, uh, my First go corporate career was all sales leadership and leading large sales teams. And then eventually there was a role that um, my president asked me to go into, which was leading marketing and strategy for the company. And really it was based on the whole premise of the field needs to execute better. And so in order to do that, marketing and sales kind of uniting in, in one kind of role and, and me taking that, that on was pretty fun. There's that's a whole. The it's, that's the way it's supposed to work. There's a whole podcast behind that one, and, and <laughs> yeah. we'll. Yeah. we'll um, I, I definitely want to talk about your uh, background. Let's set the stage a little bit, if you don't mind. So, Marcy, I've known you for over 15 years. Um, I watched you deliver incredible results through people in the role as vice president at Tech Systems that we just talked about. Um, that's one of the most dominant IT staffing firms on the planet. And then I also watched you make powerful personal decisions as a working mother. And I think a kind of a great way to get, get us kicked off. Uh, it's a great place to start the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now and why you started Revel Coach and, you know, the problems it solves. And, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Great. Well, I always say Revel, we're in the business of leadership. And specifically, we serve that time-starved working mom whose vision of success includes a very successful career, but without sacrifice of personal wellness or quality time at home. And so at home, typically that quality time is with our children. And um, we really started on the premise of, I was thinking through the things that I needed when I was kind of you know, managing a lot of corporate responsibilities, and then also navigating my first maternity, my second, my third. And going through that type, there's, there's, I definitely feel that um, a working dad's journey and a working mom's journey have a lot of similarities, but there are some complexities with um, the working mom because we definitely like to do it all at home and do it all at work. So building a program around, you know, to help her thrive both at work and home with really the business, you know, the business idea we, we started five years ago. Yeah, really, really cool. Let's, 
talk to us a little bit more about some of those specific challenges that um, that you encounter uh, with the executives that that you work with. You know, what are they telling you? What are those challenges out there right now that are really, really relevant for the audience? So um, I do have to give a little disclaimer since I met you when I was right in the beginning of my um, executive leadership sales leader. And that's when we started working force management. And then even some of my clients have implemented command the message. I have built my entire business model around the four essential questions. So I'm just going to answer it. <laughs> just awesome. spoil alert. <laughs> We've got a little mentorship with John Kaplan and all of his teams. But, um, you know, when we, when we set out, there are three common problems that we go to solve. And the first one is just tied to revenue. Like right now, people are really trying to think differently on where they get the revenue, how they get the revenue, revenue, and whether you know she's tied to revenue as a COO or straight in sales. That's definitely one of the top problems you know I, I work on and solve. And then the second one is just within the people plan. So the war for talent is real. Um, so recruiting is real. A very common problem right now is um, cultural confusion. So in the 2022 era, um, the expectations of what winning looks like as a culture, it's different than five years ago, three years ago. And companies that aren't doing the work to redefine it, revalidate, re-roll it out, core, va core values, vision, and things like that, the people plan really struggles. And then the third problem is just burnout. So there's a lot of people that are just exhausted, um, slightly confused on you know, how they get out of their busyness that get out of their own way. So those are like the three problems I solve. Um, they're not really gender specific, even though I work with a lot of women, that's kind of really based on their, their role and responsibilities. Yeah. So Marcy, for a lot of, a lot of leaders, especially if you're busy and you're traveling all the time, like you said, it may not even be gender specific. Sometimes people talk about like work-life balance, but sometimes it's really work, home, and life balance. And sometimes between work and home, there's almost no life, no life. So those are the things that you're talking about that you work on with your, your leaders. Yeah, it really is the most complex um, thing to work on because it's so personal. And usually when people are in struggle, it's not just because of their title, their responsibilities, their company, their home life, their things like that. It's just their struggle is within them and their own perspective of how they look at things. Mm. So there's like a lot of techniques I use with my clients to help her, you know, come to terms with how she thinks about things. So, you know, the expression, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And that perspective is really important. So even, you know, where some women the, um, you know, working from home used to be such a privilege and was really complicated as a working mom. And now it's more the norm. So the choice of when you travel and when you don't travel, my clients, I help them to say like, when are you going to be more fulfilled? Like is meeting that customer in person going to make that much a difference? So you actually save time two months from now, cause you have that relationship or is making that trip right now, like more of a nice to have, and it's going to be the tipping point at home that you're going to have too much stress. That's going to make more, more work for you. So it's not really about the travel. It's their perspective um, and how they think about what they do, why they do it um, and how they go about doing it. Just for the, the women's journey that I work with, it's really thinking differently about how they get results without lowering the bar. And do you, do people have to compartmentalize in order to achieve that, like a lot of times I would be home. I'm just speaking for myself and I'm not, I'm not raising, wasn't raising kids, but I'd be home. My wife would say, you know, you're here, but you're not really here. You know, you're physically here, but you're not emotionally here. And um, I didn't know how, how else to do it sometimes unless you tried to compartmentalize, but then there could be dangers in compartmentalizing also. Right. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a great wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel like being present and even present at the office. So, you know, a lot of times I just say, you don't want to do rear view mirror management. So when you're leaving home, you're thinking about the family. And when you're leaving the office, you're thinking about work. Like you would just want to be all in of what you're doing. Um, and it's, it's not easy, but it kind of is once you kind of make that full on commitment 
um, to be present and to be a better leader. So I'll give you some insights. Like, so one thing that I've learned with like leadership coaching, and I do a lot of work with women that are navigating maternity leave. So I always say there's three addictions you need to break. And these addictions, the second she's pregnant, her mindset on breaking addiction is like, I mean, it's lock solid. It's just, I mean, many, many stressed out executives might self-medicate with a glass of wine or, you know, some sort of drink at the end of the day. And then they don't have the best night's sleep. So they wake up in the morning with a lot of coffee and a woman that gets pregnant within seconds, no drinking, no caffeine, you know, she'll break any addiction. So, but those aren't the addictions at work. So the three addictions at work that she really needs to break that happens the moment she finds out she's pregnant. The first one is a customer's addiction to you. So if you're, you know, I've, some of your interview, your interviews and past podcasts, I've heard about like a technical leader that is a founder of a company and they're amazing and they really understand the product. They hire a sales force, but they're really present with all of the sales closing. And so if it's a guy, he may not be forced to actually say our customer's addicted to me. If it's a woman that gets pregnant and the founder, she knows that her business will really struggle may not, may not make it through her three months maternity leave. So instantly she's like, all right, well, why am I on the road all the time to close deals? So she'll think about, is it her value messaging? Is it her sales training? Is it just the fact that she thinks she needs to be there and she's not trusting her team? So mm. that's customer addiction. If it's not broken and you go out on maternity leave, a lot of things will struggle. So that's the, that's the first addiction I think. And I feel like you all can understand that because of so much of, um, you know, sales is, is a hand-to-hand combat, but it shouldn't yeah. be it's the company that delivers the value. And so as a leader, you just have to figure out how to get the customers to understand it. And most people are pretty awesome when a woman's going to maternity leave, you know, so a customer's like, I get it. I'm not going to call you June through, you know, September, but who do I talk to? So it's a good lesson for everyone, even if you're not going through maternity leave. When you talk about easy. this addiction though, Marcy, you're, the customer's addicted, but isn't it a two-way street? Is it also the mom is addicted or the or the leader is addicted? Can you talk about from a lens? I think you're going to go through this uh, where the team can be addicted or where can yeah. you talk about the cross addiction? Yeah. And that's the other, this is the most, the most difficult one to break is your, the second addiction, which is your addiction to work. So yeah. defining yourself and your worth. And you, and it's so subtle because, you know, most people wouldn't say, Oh no, I don't do that. But there's a reason why so many people retire. And when they, after six months of retirement, they start experiencing some depression and it's because their identity and their worth was so tied to their accolades at work, their legacy and all that stuff. So again, a woman, if you really want to thrive, this is the most, you know, maternity leave is the most amazing. I mean, it really is pretty amazing that, you know, you have a new life in your family and and you want to go all in on that. So if you don't have the courage to break your addiction to you being involved in work, you won't have the courage to lead your teams differently and things like that. So I really think, you know, again, um, I coach women on how to break their own identity, their, their, their worth tied to something so much bigger than just their job and their career, but breaking that, that second addiction is important. That's so difficult, though. I mean, even when I was, you know, saying I was going to no longer be, you know, leading sales, it's so hard. It takes so long. You're resisting all the people that are calling you saying, hey, you got to get back in the game. Because to your point, it's been your identity and it's been whether you want to say it or not, it's tied to your ego. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to say no, 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 no for many, many months until you really kind of find the new you. Yeah. And you know, I'm John, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not a matter of it's, it's great. Like a lot of our egos drive us to do more and that, you know, affirmation of what you do with work, it's like what you like. So it helps you get into flow, but an addiction to it is a different level. Uh, So that's kind of like, if you're genuinely not the type of person to have the courage to take a two week vacation, right? which a lot of people do need where they don't check in, mm-hmm. they don't worry. Like they actually are all in on their vacation. And some of the reasons why you do it is because, you know, there's, there's things you're doing at work. That's short, short changing your leadership, short changing your team. And so you really have to kind of think through, like, don't get to the point, you know, once you're at the point of burnout, that's a different coaching conversation 
my work really helps with nurturing to make sure it's preventing burnout. It's preventing because I don't feel that you need that two week vacation to then relax and then go back into the grind again. That's only like a temporary fix, but really having a lifestyle that, that allows you to, to do what you love, which includes career, includes family, wellness, and things like that. But can you talk a little bit more about the burnout? Because even people that are not moms, you know, can get to that burnout stage where, especially as a leader, when you lose yourself, you know, you lose your ability to have perspective and then you lose your ability to really lead the team. Yeah. And there's a fine line between maybe working too hard and being maybe, maybe it goes back to your point being addicted. And then next thing you know, you're getting really close to burnout. Yeah. I mean, it's real. And, um, you know, you can't generically say how to prevent it or how to, how to, you know, heal it if you're in that thing. But the one, um, you know, the one thing that I like to coach to a lot and hopefully to any of your listeners that are out there, like end of the year is a, is a great time of year. Cause you feel like a little of this clean slate, but it's all the time you have fear, like, oh my gosh, can I do this again next year? Like you, you kind of, everybody pauses a little bit and then your attitude towards your number of next year, it's one or two directions, right? It's your like game on. I got this. This is my year or it's, or it's kind of like, oh crap, you know, like, and you have like that dread. So depending on where your energy is going, it's going to be where your burnout's going. So like the exercise I like to do, and this is kind of like a daily practice that I have, I, I do, um, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, we're doing a lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of things pulling at you and I'm trying to make sure I'm, I don't have those three addictions myself. Um, but what a daily practice that I do is you basically, you think about living above the line. So above the line to me is you're really clear on who you are, who you want to be, what your vision looks like and doing it in a way that you're defining like, okay, this is who I want to be more often. And not thinking that you need to be like, when I save this much amount of money, then I'll go on vacation. When I get to this title, then I'll, it's like, who do you want to be more often? So if you're, you know, say just a sales rep and you want to be a sales leader in that moment, in that day, you're like, well, I want to be a sales leader and I want to make a difference and, you know, teach more people how to be successful and have a legacy that does that. And they're only a sales rep at this point. Well, then you ask the question, you know, you kind of get them to really kind of define it. So this is just a self-practice. And you're like, well, what does that look like? You try to bring in the senses, like, give me like a visual. What is she wearing? How does she sound? What does she do today? And then the second thing you do is like, you kind of put action behind it today. So you think of your calendar and you think of an opportunity that you can live up to that person that you're visioning. So if she like wants to be balanced at home, like the example, John, you were sharing about, you know, being more present at home. Like I want to be a leader who loves her job. But when I come home, I'm able to be present with my kids. So then you look to your calendar and be like, all right, four o'clock, three 30, when the kids get off the bus, that's my opportunity. I know I've got conference calls later, but that's my opportunity to be the present mom that I want to be. So how do you handle it? And then you just kind of think through and you prepave what that looks like. So snacks are out. I mean, whatever it looks like for her. I know, you know, we're talking in this type of scenario, but in her scenario, that's what it looks like. But then the real work for burnout comes with what negative events and emotions are going to get in the way from you being the person you want to be more often. And that's mm -hmm. living below the line. So that's traffic. That's, oh my God, I'm late. This conference call went over to 4.30 and now I'm not there for the kids. Shame, guilt, da, 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 da. All those things happen. And so there is a reaction to that. Marcy, and that what's reaction that? below the line is, it, that's kind of where you start create like a habit and that negative mindset. Was there some reason why you didn't share this with me 15 years ago when you watched <laughs> operate below the line? Oh, yeah. Folks, where have you been hiding all this stuff? Right. Outstanding. And then Marcy, do you have people actually walk through like priorities then of like, here's my priority at work. Here's my priority at home. Here's my priority in my life. And then try to see the crossover points where to your point earlier, now you're home. Now you got to drop the work stuff because the kids are getting off the bus you know, do, do you have them set those types of priorities? Absolutely. So we do a, 
you know, like kind of we'll do a prioritization list, which I love doing. And then we do a to don't list. Like what's in your to do list? What's in your to don't list? Mm. And so sometimes like, for instance, we just keep piling on stuff. So you joined a committee three years ago and it's awesome. And you're, that committee takes 90 minutes of that day, but it's not serving you anymore. You just really didn't think through like, am I allowed to step down from this committee? So some of the stuff on the calendar isn't serving who you want to be more often, the above the line person of who you are today. So like me, for instance, where I kind of had like, you know, towards the end of my 22 years with Peck and, and uh, Allegis group, you know, I definitely had some moments where I was below the line. I didn't realize it at the time, but some of it was because, you know, they say like a lot of the statistics you'll see right now, 2022 statistics, the percentage of top women in leadership that are running mentor groups, leadership groups, and all that stuff, because they love the company. They're doing all this great stuff to help other leaders. And that's their passion, all that stuff. They don't get paid for it. They don't get recognized for it. It is exhausting. So when I go through her calendar and I'm like, well, talk to me about this. I'm like, well, why are you still the one mentoring? Like, when do you start promoting people that you've mentored to lead it? And so clearing clutter from her calendar is really important. And just doing it to align to her vision of success with no comparison, like, who do you want to be? So you've graduated, you know, you're not in the fight anymore. So now what's this executive level feeling like, and how do you ask more questions versus tell people what to do more often, which and is the third addiction. Often, I'm sorry. I never, I never shared the third addiction is your team's addiction to you. Yeah, and that's, I was wondering one that's that. pretty like, that's pretty profound. And a lot of executives that's causing burnout and it's actually just a subtle micromanagement. You don't even realize you're doing it. So Going through the calendar and the priority list is a great way of really saying like, is there something that should be on my to-don't list? Yeah, like maybe you help somebody be able to get certain meetings, let's say with an economic buyer, and now they can do it on their own. Do you really need to go to the next meeting or can you let them do it on their own? Things like that, I think you're talking about. And being honest with yourself about the addiction so I found in my career, John, that main question, when mm. I, I would tell people, hey, I don't need to, um, I don't think I really need to be on that call or what have you. But it was a big part of my addiction mm -hmm. early on in my leadership career is where that's where I got my juice from. That's where I got my fuel from. But my inability to extricate myself from those situations, <laughs> it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. I couldn't lead more than a small group of people unless I learned how to break that addiction. And yeah. again, Marcy, I'm just going to ask you, you know, we've known each other for a long time. I really could have used these uh, principles, yeah. a, you know, a long time ago. And the one point I want to make here so far, we he does have one of her things is not feeling guilty, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of these things I just want to point out here that I knew this was going to happen today um, we want to get to some stuff on, you know, you are such a great um, expert and so insightful on just the process of maternity. So I want to make sure we pay that the right attention. But everything we've talked about so far is not gender specific and it's not it's not even role specific. It is um, it is uh, it, it is so profound for, again, regardless of gender or regardless of role. Um, the, before we transition and talk about, because Marcy, I want to really dig into your experience. I think the audience would really uh, get a big benefit out of, you know, you came up with all of these ideas and these philosophies because of your own experience. Before we transition to that, would you mind talking to me about, because I think it's so powerful and I just don't know how to go get it later when we're talking about some other stuff. Cultural, um, you talked about cultural confusion. Such a great topic right now. And I see it all the time. And you and I have had a conversation about cross-generational leadership. And I think we're seeing some really challenging times with that. Would you just educate the audience on what you mean by that cross-generational leadership? So, I mean, I'm going to, at the simplest level, there are senior people in our organizations that just have a lot of judgment towards that 23, 24 year old coming in. And somehow we have amnesia when we were 23, 24 coming in and the best leaders see the strength in people's unique style 
and basically you want to flourish that, you know, get that person to flourish, but the amount of shade that's coming in, like, you know, you're little generic things and it's reflecting to each other. So when the organization is kind of treating the 23, 24 year old as like, wait your turn until you impact the organization, this generation, they are like, it could be one of the greatest generations of leadership because they will never join a company that isn't consistent with their, what their leaders are saying in their personal life and professional life. They have high expectations of if they say we value diversity and they don't see the leaders valuing diversity in their personal life or, you know, in how they operate that generation is like, Nope, I'm out. So the older generation might have, Oh, they don't have commitment, but they have total clarity of what they want. They also have high expectations for work environments where they'll fr- where, where they will <laughs> thrive. And in that, again, a generational judgment might say they don't have the work ethic, but what they're saying is like, let me have the autonomy and I'll show you the results in my style because they do have very strong work ethics. So it's, it's kind of, it's centered around this, um, not, it, not really understanding different styles of work. And that goes in all categories, you know, and that's why diversity to me is such a fast, I think corporate America is doing a great job with diversity and talking about it and rolling out programs and support. But at the end of the day, the best companies, it's not a matter that they have to talk about diversity. They just, they value different work styles and they value, you know, different leadership and they make people have success and they ask for their insight way before, you know, they have the 10 year, you know, to the, you know, supposedly now have the credibility to have that impact. It also goes the other way though, right? I've heard you talk about the responsibility of the younger generation with the older generation. Could you comment on that? Yeah. Um, I'm not, so to me, like the younger generation, so I have my daughters in college, so I'm like starting to see her friends enter the work workforce. And I know, you know, their, their heart, their impact and all that stuff. And I just think any good leader, you have to navigate who, like who you are, what your expectations are, what your goals, and have a total growth mindset of getting there. So lack of judgment, lack of like judging other people. And so if the company isn't perfect, it's really easy for me to coach that generation for them to recognize no, no company is going to be perfect. No company, unless you want to start your own, no company will live up perfectly to your expectations. So if you're expecting a paycheck from somebody else, then, you know, identify what are the rules to win? Like, what are the game? What's the, what's the game? How's it defined? What are the rules to win? And then get, be coachable, like ask questions, take people out to lunch, like schedule, like be a great mentee. And you'll find that people want you to be successful. And, you know, it's really not that complicated. It's really just keeping that growth mindset and that, you know, believing that you can make a difference, believing that you can be successful and then working your tail off to get there. So powerful. So powerful. Um, Johnny, I'm going to transition before I do. Do you have any, do you have any comments? Yeah, I wanted to go back to the question that you ask people, Marcy, which is, who are you today? And what's serving you? I thought that was a really, really powerful question. And how often do you tell your clients that they need to ask themselves that question? I mean, kind of daily. I mean, yeah, we, do right. of, we, we do a lot. I was of, wondering, yeah. Yeah, it's really like we just have a, you know, and everybody's different in their meditation practice um, and where they they are in the sense of journaling, meditating, things like that, just getting the right mindset. So I adjust it for different clients and how I teach how to do that. But, you know, vision work is too often, it's like it happens in January, we fall off tracks in March, we head back to old habits by June. Um, so really making sure that they're like, if you have a really strong vision, it'll compel you to make the right choices. Like you don't have to do like calendar cleanse. You just, you make the right choices. You find the right words and all that. But when it doesn't work, it falls down to two things. You either one, it's not really your vision. So you start comparing, well, that's what they do. That's success. Okay. And you just start, you're kind of like, you're putting on a lot of different people's visions to yours. So if it's not compelling, it's probably that fault or the other fault is you don't actually think it's possible for you. 
And mm-hmm. that's where I really dislike the negative stats for women in leadership. So anytime I see those stats come out of like, oh, you know, so many in the C-suite, like those stats just, you know, they foster like a victim mentality accidentally. They don't mean to, but right. when you don't think it's possible for you, like if you're graduating from college, you want to be in the C-suite and you're the type of person to see that negative stat and be like, oh, it's just hard. It'll be hard. But if you're the yeah. type of person like, well, there's got to be a first, you know, like why not go for it? So that's where, you know, your mindset is really one of two ways. And that's, that's to me why it's so important to have your day, the action, what you do every day should just live up to your vision of success and layer it with what is, um, you know, really just speaks true to you, like be authentically you and it, and it works. Yeah. I want to go back to one other point that you made earlier, which is burnout. What happens or how do you handle it when you see a friend that you know is starting to spiral towards burnout? And what they do is they typically, the way that I've seen it with my friends is they start to get stressed out. They start thinking they're right and everybody else is wrong. I actually call that the Charlie Sheen syndrome because every five or six years he goes off the rails and he tells everybody they're wrong and he's right. How do you help a friend that you can see because you know them so well, you can see them starting to burn out and starting to spiral out of control where they think they're right and everybody else is wrong. How do you reel them in? Yeah, it's not easy. And I mean, it's easier when they're a client because then I can do an exercise that is really um, powerful and just gives them an opportunity to look at how they're in the victim. They're living below the line, which is in the victim loop. Versus in their vision loop, which is above the line. So I can get them there in a, in a pretty easy session, but when it's happening with friends and family, like people around you, it's a little more complicated because obviously, you know, you're a loving friend first. Um, but with most of them, I mean, I just really try to help them control what's in their, you know, control what they can and let go of what they can't. So, um, for me, like family wise, you know, with my, my family and stuff, they always nickname, I'm like meditation, Marcy, but I try to teach them. I try to teach them of like, you know, like, so we'll go back to the to-do list. Like if the kids are stressed out about their AP test or they're spiraling out, they're feeling the burnout from studying. Like right now is kind of a, a burnout time for a lot of moms, holidays and things like that. Um, you know, trying to help them, you know, what's in your, what's in your control, and then depending if their faith or their universe or something like that, and be like, okay, why don't you have your to-do list and then give the universe a to-do list. So I'm going to let the universe worry about, are you going to get into college? I'm going to let the universe worry about this, but I can control these things, but separating some stuff like, you know, again, it's holidays right now and there's so much stress and I'm like, but isn't it supposed to be joyful? Yeah. So being, right. you know, friends, kind of see like, well, what, like if you, when you start talking more about like, what, what do you love the most about Christmas and then letting go of traditions that just stress them out? Like, mm. and that's, you know, it's uh, hard to answer that question, John. I don't know if I did a good job. No, no, no. I used to talk to about, to friends about, you know, there's a control bucket and a not control bucket. So why are you getting all stressed out about the things that you can't control? Why don't you just try to optimize for the things that you can control, right? And be, be, be the best you can be in that area. Right. Yeah. And really just having like confidence that things were working out, like things are always working out for us. So when you have that growth mindset, even when you, you know, you take a risk, it doesn't go well. And that's stressing you out. Like that's below the line, a noise. And like, if you hop on the growth mindset bandwagon, you're like, well, everything happens for a reason. What, did, what am I learning from this? Like, what am I learning from? And so asking that question, even like I got sick, um, a couple of weeks ago and I was like mad at myself for getting sick. I'm like, this is not the time I could get sick. Right. And I, you know, I did it, I work it on myself and I'm like, well, you know, what am I learning from it? I was like, well, maybe I need to cancel some things. Maybe I need to look at my schedule. Like my body clearly is saying, slow down. I didn't go to a couple holiday parties, you know, like it's just, it, you really have to, it's, 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 it's constant, but I always kind of lean on that growth mindset and lean on, you know, if you can quiet your mind and change your negative thoughts, think better thoughts, where's your energy headed? Um, those are the types of things that I really like to help people. 
And what about you, Marcy? You had a prominent position and a really good stellar career. And you decided to, you know, go start this company, Revel Coach. Were you <laughs> operating below the line? Was that the trigger or was there another you know, trigger? It's funny. Said, I don't know. I think I I'm told sorry for going. There, I have man. no idea. But my my main memory is no, because yeah. I I was really privileged with you know the company I work with, awesome people, great bosses. And I I was the only female vice president for probably way too long. But through all three of my maternity leaves, you know, because I was the first, then I'm the only. Um, I had a lot of really good friends that cared about me and my family. So, you know, we did it right. Like it, there was a lot of things we, we did. Right. Um, but I did choose to, cause I always said I didn't actually want to be a working mom. So, and I think John, you probably know this story best, but it, so when I was on maternity leave my first time, I just, I underestimated how much I love my job. And uh, my boss at the time was president Keith Bozeman. And he came over with his wife and his kids and, you know, little Katie's there, my, my husband. And, you know, we were just talking about things. And really after they left, you know, my husband, he, he kind of says, uh, he's like, you know what? You never tried being a working mom. Why don't you just give it a shot? And when you don't like it, then quit instead of quitting kind of like the plan. And so I, I just had this, like, I guess this confidence that I was working for fun because I could quit at any time. So I was on borrowed time the day one, I came back from my first maternity leave and I stayed like 14 years later with them as a working mom. Mm. So I'm going to say I was above the line, even though I certainly know some moments <laughs> I won't admit right now. But um, the thing for me that was really interesting is I was staying home for two years, which was like the dream state. Like, you know, if only I was staying home, you know, I wouldn't have this stress. Right. So I finally am living and I live at the beach. Kids are like middle school, high school, living at home. I mean, um, not working and, um, life is really good. And I didn't realize I was suffering from, from something that I'll share, but I had gotten this, like, you know, something probably on Instagram that this, uh, silent retreat at this ashram that happens to be in Florida and mm. it's a silent retreat. So I'm reading the flyer. I'm like, well, I don't know. That sounds kind of cool. Like transcendental meditation. Like, can I challenge myself? And, um, so I sign up for it and I go, I mean, life is really good right at this point. And, um, I go and the way the, the retreat works is you follow curriculum. I mean, it's kind of weird because you're with like 20, 19 other women, but you don't talk like you don't know their names, <laughs> but you're, you know, you go through this curriculum, but they do say, you know, if at any time your meditation's bringing up some feelings that are feeling out of control and you do want to kind of talk through, um, what you're feeling and need support, you can go to one of the residents. So about like day three, I am like really questioning like my purpose, my passion. Like I thought my purpose was my kids, but then why am I saying I want to go back to work? Like I was, I was, I was in it. So I leave the, the, you know, the, the team or the curriculum and I go over to the residence hall and I sit down with one of the residents and, um, I share everything that I'm, I'm thinking and I'm probably crying. And, you know, I'm like, Oh, I love staying home with the kids, but I just feel like my purpose. I was like, I'm so much driven when I was working and I love this and the debate, should I be a working mom or stay home mom, which was, you know, really like an underscore of my um, corporate career. And she finally puts up her finger, like, like she has the answer. I'm like, thank God. Like, now I just need to know, should I go back to work or not? That's kind of like my mindset. And uh, she points at me and she just says, you are dealing with a limited mind. Mm. And until you see abundance, you're going to continue a life of struggle, doubt, fear, anguish, and that will be your plight. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to her and I'm holding my breath. And then I'm kind of like, did she not hear a word I was saying? Like, I, I was actually asking if I should go back to work. And I was, you know, had some thoughts in my head that weren't as nice. And I found my polite voice. I'm like, do you mind just elaborating a little bit? Like I, I was sharing, you know, where my struggle is with being a stay home mom or a working mom and which one do I like better? And, um, you know, when she elaborated, she was like, you're doing women of this service. Like you're putting them in a box of two things, a working mm -hmm. mom or a stay home mom. And until you see abundance of all the values of women in your community, grandparents, babies, and, you know, the different styles of women until you start really seeing that and celebrating this, that's where you're always going to struggle. 
And it was like the most powerful confrontation because I'm going in at this place of non-burnout. And then I never realized this undercurrent that was causing so much struggle um, for me. And it was probably about two weeks later, my sister and I started Rebel Coach. And that was really the catalyst for me going back to work. And I'm like, if I can just help people not think so limited in their thoughts and really find a way of getting you know, more revenue results, getting their teams better and doing the things we know they can do because they've got that right mindset um, of building it. That's, that's kind of where my, that's my, my main why for right now with the work that I do. So what do you say to people that you know, might have the same idea about making almost the same decision that you made or they're thinking about going on maternity leave, but they're worried about what's going to happen to their career. What do you say to those people? Yeah, let's talk specifically about mechanics here, Marcy. This yeah. is like the no, I, yeah. I I didn't mean to limit. I didn't mean to say that the previous conversation was limited anyway. It's so awesome. Um, I'm just thinking about listeners right now. They're they're like, okay, Marcy, can you? It's a topic for me right now. And there's two versions of the topic. I want you to speak to moms and i want you to speak to company leaders uh and we're going to talk specifically about mothers in the workplace why is this so important how do you do what you need to do if you're from the mom's perspective first let's talk about that and and really the mechanics of it pre post during whatever and then um company mindset to make sure you get it right Cause there's a lot of companies that get it wrong. Yeah. Um, with her, I mean, I certainly talk about the addictions and I certainly, um, I feel like the number one flaw that I made, I'll say on my third maternity leave, um, you know, as my maternity leaves build, um, the flaw I had, and I see very often is you create kind of this glass bubble around yourself and out of kindness, politeness, cause everyone has a mom or everyone has, you know, women in their life that they want to help them, you know, be a great mom. Like it's, it's fantastic. So if you create this bubble around yourself, people don't ask questions. They don't push you. They, they just are like hands off. And then you're feeling like stressed about your territory. You're stressed about all these things, but you're not actually communicating well either. So I really try to make sure that they own the bubble that they live in and making sure it's not made of glass and that they communicate how they, you know, what they need. And, you know, vulnerability is such a big topic in corporate America. I still don't have the answer for this one, but vulnerability, when you're pregnant, you are a walking vulnerability stick. So it's not necessarily the best time to be fully vulnerable because a lot of times, you know, it's not actually, you know, the workplace's business on some of the things you're dealing with. So we navigate that kind of together, but for her, I just really, you know, I, I like, I want to make sure she has every reason why to think she's going to be very successful when she comes back. And that's kind of not what you do when you're on maternity leave. That's like what you do four months before you go out. Like is my team in place, like run your, if you're in sales, you're running a region. Like for me, my first maternity leave, I had you know, I think my region was like 300 million or so, 19 direct reports. So I'm like, I got a lot of work to do. So I wanted to make sure I had like captains, you know, my direct reports that they were managing people in the, in the small little regions. I ran our spread up as much as they could thinking that, you know, if I'm out, what's going to happen. So I really, I kind of try to do a lot of that because if she feels confident when she returns, it'll work. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of work you need to do to make that happen. And that's like really, I mean, that's my advice to her as well as to like, we, when we do um, maternity leave prep, it's rarely just for her. It's usually like a team approach. Um, and I got to get everybody on board with this. What so if like, she's in sales? You were, a, you know, vice president. Now let's say you're a territory rep and you have five zip codes in Michigan and you're going to leave for a number of months. Typically, the company's probably not going to leave those zip codes alone. Mm-hmm. Or n- never call on those customers. Right. So they might put somebody else into that position. And now you come back. Those are your customers. You probably open those accounts. You want those accounts back. But somebody else has been, you know, farming. Let's call it farming those accounts now for three or four months. And what happens there? What's your suggestion to both the, the rep and to the company? on how to handle that. 
Well, um, so this is my whole coaching plan basically is they all have to be clear on those addictions. So it's not, she doesn't own those accounts. She doesn't no, no, no salesperson, unless it's their own company owns those accounts. And then the second thing is that leveraging the team, it's a really like maternally could be one of the greatest leadership opportunities if it, if it's handled well. So that's why I like doing those with teams. So if she has a lot of resistance going out, I help this, you know, her boss with navigating that. And sometimes, you know, if my, if my engagements while she's still off, I'm giving her peace of mind. Like I'm still kind of engaged with the team. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that I grew up, um, our company tech systems and Allegis group, it's strive for excellence through serving others is the main goal and their business, like probably just through the nineties, maybe a little bit into the two thousands, but it was, if you want to get promoted, it was what's your legacy. So they're going to ask you that question, like who's, who's successful because of you. So my whole mindset was grow your territory, split your territory, hire somebody yeah. for yourself, hire somebody for them. So I'm all, I was always kind of like hiring, splitting territories, talking to my teams about splitting yeah. territories. So for her, I think John, the way you described it, that's a very common say, common situation. And if she has a yes. glass yeah. bubble around her, she's going to be saying, that's not fair. This is my account. And you're below the right. line. So you, your suggestion is make it all happen up front and be open yeah. and honest about what you really want, you know, what the situation is and what are you going to get when you get back? What what's yeah. what are you going to face when you get back and do it all up front and take the stress well, out of it? Yeah. I mean, it's really leadership. It's, it's just le- great leadership. And if she's feeling what's nice, I think, you know, one of the reasons why I feel like I get results in my maternity leave coaching is I can be the blunt, honest person, like to the, to her. So if she's feeling like it didn't work for this girl, it didn't work for that girl. And this isn't fair. I can help coach her to have a voice about those concerns and have a plan to address them. Mm-hmm. I don't do policy. Like I, I definitely have a perspective that corporate America has done a great, like company doesn't need to change. And I get to select my, my clients. I do work with really great companies, but the company right. doesn't need to change. The husband doesn't need to change. The team doesn't, the only thing that needs to change is her perspective of how she'll do her work and be successful. But the bar, like sometimes like another um, negative thing that happens, especially if she is like a rep, it's like a lowered sales goal. So if she's a high performer, she loves the scoreboard. But then if you're kind of like, well, you know, you're going out in October. So you're, you're, you know, you're going to start a lot lower in January. So we're going to have a lower goal. It's kind of the nice thing to do, right? but it messes with her psyche. And that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm totally fine with whatever they choose, but I'm not fine with the choice of making her feel handicapped or feeling like she doesn't have the support to get there. And that's kind of why I really have that, you know, I really empower the teams to have that leadership courage. And, you know, it's great to have somebody help you. Like, could you, I get her very grateful and a lot of gratitude that you have a company that people are willing to pitch in while you're out. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I've, I've had it where women that work with me, we, she really knew she couldn't handle the whole territory. So we gave her like three or four accounts that she really loved and, you know, did the best job she could. And then for those three or four months, you know, like you said, somebody covered for her. Yeah. Well, that's a true thing too. I mean, a lot of women also do want a downshift. So mm-hmm. making sure that there's no judgment, like companies that are, have only high performing cultures, they don't know what to do with the leader that wants a downshift. And I think that's kind of the flaw that I got into, um, you know, trying to come back as my third, after my third maternity leave, I was the only female vice president, but there wasn't really a vice president role that I was willing to do because I wasn't willing to travel, you know, so it's hard to downshift um, as an organization. Marcy, one of the things that I always struggled with, <laughs> and I'm just going to throw myself out here. Um I could relate in the sense that I'm a, a father, but I couldn't relate because I'm never going to be a mother. And so what happened to me was just really poor communication. And you're beholden to a policy. And you started off this conversation with it's not about the policy. Could you give us some feedback? You've given great feedback to the mom, to her. And where where you've said, these are the things you should do. This is how you should communicate. What about the leader 
that let's say the mom it isn't a part of Revel. I want to talk about that next. Like, how do we get sign up for? How do we people sign up? What do they get? What do they do? And that we'll get to that for sure. But how how do you start the conversation? How do you set expectations? You know, a lot of times the I mean, my my children are going through this right now. Um, that they haven't experienced it before. The, the the moms haven't experienced it before. So there's just bad communication. So as the leader, how do you get it up on the table? Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked that because, and that's, this is that glass bubble that gets around her. So the leader's fault is, could be, you know, the, the father in them being like, when my daughter's doing this, I want to treat her great. And you kind of just look, give her a pass for everything. And it almost creates this too much like, I should get this, I should get that, I should get this. So just getting really clear, um, you know, just open. Like one thing I loved on my first maternity leave, um, you know, Keith, he just said that I was like, look, we've never had a woman pregnant in this company and let alone a vice president and let alone working for me. So just let me know what you need. Like, he's like, I'm not going to change anything I do. Just you let me know. And that to me is like, I, I, I reflect back on that. That was probably one of the best things. And one of the main reasons why I did you know, choose to come back. But I think for you know the leader that's a male that's navigating for the first time, um, being clear about what success looks like is really, really important. And if you go above and beyond and do a favor, like just getting clear, like, I don't want to set this precedent, you know, and, and that's why like a really strong HR partner can help because they can really articulate policy clearly black and white. Like some CHROs are so great at this. And then when you give an extra favor, you're like, we're going to do it for you just because, but again, this is not new policy. So it, it's, it's really like case by case and what you're willing to do. But my number one piece of advice, anytime, you know, somebody's dealing with something, I'm like, you're in charge of seeing her for her strengths, seeing her for her results, her capabilities, the fact that you see pregnancy and you see baby and you see complexity, that's on you. Your role is her leader and it's not the leader on how to do the job and how to, you know, it, it's really your leader is to make sure she's in a place where she'll be successful. And if they can just remember, like, that's why I always say like maternity leave is the best leadership opportunity. Like a company that navigates it well, they're going to have like that whole generation of hiring they're, they're going to see like, oh, it's totally possible here. And, you know, people aren't judging and, you know, it, it's showing that it's possible. And I think that's that's what the best leaders know how to do. Well, that speaks almost goes back to the limited versus abundant mindset. So if the leader has an abundance mindset versus a limited mindset, it's going to work. Yeah. And it seems like your boss had that. Mm-hmm. So, Marcy, do you also work with companies do you work you said um hr departments and, and and that kind of thing so um for our audience do you also have programs for companies not just the individuals well i do i have a couple companies i'm more like a, so i blend the dis, the disciplines of consulting because i've been there executive coaching because i am one and then also mentorship so depending on the company's needs i definitely do like I have programs that are just like once and done teams um, events. And then sometimes it's like their strategy meeting, but, or a couple of clients I'm on a retainer um, to help with like strategic programs, implementing command of the message, of course. Amen. We're so <laughs> thankful for that. Johnny, I'm going to ask Marcy to talk specifically about how people can uh, interact with her. Uh, before I do that, are there any, um, any, things that we didn't ask that we should have asked. I'll ask that to both you, John and Marcy. Are there things that we had planned to talk about that we haven't? Not that we plan to talk about, but when yeah. Marcy talks, when Marcy talks, it brings up many more questions in yeah. my mind. So, But, you know, go ahead and transition and let uh, the audience know how they can engage with Marcy. Yeah. Because like, like, you know, now I want you to talk about, because I think you probably have the audience now going, okay, Marcy has been there, done that, and um, talk to the audience very specifically. How do they engage with you? Thank you, John. Appreciate yeah. you asking that. And um, so 
if it's a woman in leadership, um, it really is like an executive coaching program. And it is a matter of there's the signing up for it and then how we work with her to get results. I did go over the top with one of my programs. So although our executive coaching curriculum is consistent for the men and the women, she has access to this program, our program called the nest. And that one has where I hired 17 advisors. They're in multiple niche industries from health coaches to, I just need her to have access to access to solutions at her fingertips. So if you have a, you know, somebody recently promoted or somebody in the C-suite joining our program as executive coaching is as a matter of just, you know, reaching out. And then um, as long as it's a match, because I have to, I have to love the company that's paying it. And then I also have to feel that she's going to do the work and she's in, you know, she's doing it for the right reasons. So there is a little bit of a vetting process. Um, And then the maternity leave one, that that's another one that's just, um, if you have someone on your team that's pregnant and you want to invest in her to come back, I mean, the investment to do something like that is so much stronger, whether she comes back or not. Um, I have a track record of them returning and I have a track record of them of really vetting, you know, to make sure she's all in to do this. But um, it's, it's the minimal, it's like a minimal investment that when she does come back and successful, how many people are watching is, is just, it's always just worth it. Um, so again, it, it's, it's as simple as reaching out. Um, we, ha- we have like a couple different programs, but, um, like we have one, for instance, that we're launching, which would be great for this audience to know, but it's a women in CRO, um, it's a mastermind style. And right. so if you have, you know, high performing women in sales, um, our applications are opening like January, February ish for a March start program. Um, and we're doing that because really, I feel like women still want to collectively brainstorm and mastermind on how they can get more results and do it in their own, their authentic way. So we still will tackle like business challenges, but she'll have access to the nest if she needs support, you know, home organization. Like I named it basically anybody I've hired or I needed in my personal life. They're on my team. Yeah. Public speaking organization. That's awesome. And, and to find, we'll put all that in the, in the show notes, but for just people listening right now, um, what's the link to find you? Uh, revelcoach.com, R-E-V-E-L. Revelcoach.com. That's awesome. Johnny, um, do you want to transition us to some fun little rapid fire questions? No, I want to do some takeaways. Oh, okay. Are you going to do that or am I going to do it? I'm going to do it. Because I picked picked up some great things from Marcy. Please. Can I do it? Please. All right. So one that I loved was the limited versus abundance mindset. That's that can happen to anyone, you know, male or female. So um, I found that that was really powerful. The other one was who are you today? So some things that might've served you yesterday or last year or three years ago, and you've experienced it, you've learned from it, you've given back to it, but today it's just kind of taken away time from some of the things that could serve you better. I love that question. Just love it. The other one I have is, um, is the addictions, you know, customer addictions, work addictions, and, and your addiction to your team. And um, I've seen that play out in lots of, you know, colleagues of mine, especially the work one where it, it gets tied to your identity and your ego. And it's really, really hard for people to break. It's a total addiction, becomes a total addiction. And I want to add one more. I love how Marcy put in the living above or below the line, you know, who you are, what you want to be versus below the line where it's just creating stress in your life. I, so I Marcy, I, I'm going to steal some of these things from you. I love them. Thank you. I'm still, I'm still freaking out. I've known her for over 15 years and she's seen me live below the line so often that um, yeah. we have to get on a podcast for her to reveal it to me. So. No, but these things, I mean, they really hit home. I mean, for me, they're really powerful. I mean, I feel like I've experienced it and I know plenty of other people 
that I've, you know, worked with. I've watched them experience this type of stuff, but I was never able to, you know, just put it into a few sentences I or a few that. questions. Johnny, I don't know if you had the same takeaway I did, but almost everything we talked about, including maternity, um, has a, I don't with the, I, I want to make sure I don't alienate any words, the wrong words, but cross gender, cross role, whatever, um, concept to it. So in every single thing we talked about, I found value. I found importance. I found growth opportunities for not only me, for family members, uh, for people I work with. So Marcy, my hat's off to you on these. Here's a couple of other takeaways. I think you're, I would love to have you back and talk specifically a little bit deeper around cross-generational leadership. Um, and uh, because I think it's a really huge topic and and there's a lot of jargon going on from the different sides of that. And I thought you just brought such a great perspective of really sitting in the other person's shoes, um, understanding where they're coming from, you know, seek first to, to understand before you try to be understood. There's so much value in those things that you were talking about. Living with a limited mind versus a growth mindset. We've heard that very consistently throughout uh, our podcast is that that is a, it's an attribute for success and you brought that home. And then, you know, the, um, uh, <clears throat> Johnny, you already talked about the above the line and, and below the line. Marcy, um, Johnny's gonna transition here to just some fun little takeaways that um, that we've, that we do. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then we're going Just to some silly rapid fire questions, Marcy, yeah. like what's your, I was thinking, it what? could be fun. If we just did like um, John Kaplan isms and we could play a little game where I'd like say like a half of a quote and see if you can finish it. Okay. Do you have one? <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's so many John Kaplan's. It wouldn't be hard to play. I'm <laughs> making it up now. Oh boy. I don't All know right. if when he does you his want, John you want Wayne, to try? when he does his John you Wayne. You try it, I'll try. Yeah. How about like a, what part, like rip their what off? Yeah. Rip their. Rip the heads off, off of chicken. <laughs> rip their heads off. Rip their faces, <laughs> rip their faces, rip their faces off. off. Go ahead. Rip the heads off the, of chicken. Under the glass. Under <laughs> the glass, that's a good one. We'll put hey, some Marcy, off. how about your ideal day off of work? All right, so ideal day, I'm going to say morning sunrise on the beach. Definitely. Some sort of exercise with friends, like walking or going someplace. Um, watch my, one of my kids, maybe going to like a kid's sporting event cheer mm -hmm. for them. Maybe, um, then the cocktail at home with my husband on the porch. Nice. And then what about the meal that day? What's your favorite meal? Anything I didn't cook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about the line. She That's said priorities. I picked it up. Setting I priorities. Picked it up. She has <laughs> priorities. Yes. And how do you have a favorite movie of all time? All right. So I always struggle with this one because I'm not as much of a movie person anymore. So my go-to is always remember the Titans. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 Great movie. Yeah. Nice. And how about a concert? This concert that you've ever been um, to? Um Zach Brown, Fenway Park. Nice. Nice. So Marcy, um, Johnny's going to say goodbye, but I wanted to thank you so much. I've learned a ton. I know my, our audience is, is going to learn a lot and there's a lot of takeaways to, to stick with us, stick with us for a long period of time. So I'm very grateful to meet you and, and have you on the podcast. Thank you. Well, it's so awesome to meet you. And as you, I appreciate you guys doing the uh, takeaways at the end. I was thinking there is one I didn't share oh. for anybody that has a pregnant woman on their team. This is the question we ask. And it's so awesome. So you ask individually all these people, but you think about what month she's in and when she returns. So you say, if you could live the next four months with no regrets, how would you support her leadership? How would you support her results? How would you wow. handle this? So if you do it individually, the CEO is going to have an answer. The boss is going to have an answer. She's going to have an answer. The person stepping in her territory will have an answer. They're all different. Right. But it basically, it's just like, if you could live your life, no regrets, what, what will that look like in the next five months? Really powerful. That, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a really good one. 
I love that. Marcy, did we ask you for a favorite charity? Um, you didn't. Okay. So there's a local one here, Rethreaded, um, victims of human trafficking. And uh, they give jobs and they make some awesome products that you can gift corporate America gifts or personal gifts and things like that. But it's just a wonderful charity doing great things down here in Jacksonville. Awesome. Do you know if it's, uh, is it more than just in Jacksonville? Are there other locations throughout the country? No, she's just Jacksonville, um, but her work is to influence policy. So I know she has impact elsewhere and she partners with a lot of other local organizations, but um, because a lot of her thing is hiring people that are um, victims of human trafficking. So it's giving jobs, it's giving a safe place to go. It's working with local police. Love it. it. We'll put the, uh, we'll put some links in there to the show notes. Marcy, um, why we didn't have you on the podcast earlier. I really believe Johnny that this is going to go down as one of our greatest followed podcasts. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, you are awesome at what you've done. You're awesome at what you do. You're a great friend. And we just, we couldn't thank you enough for, for breaking out some time for us on the podcast. Well done. Thank you. Yes, well, the feeling's mutual. Love, love being with you guys anytime. Yeah. yeah thank you, Marcy. And thank you all for listening to Revenue Builders. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check us out at forcemanagement.com.